What's up, Digital Law fam? It's your boy, Drew. We are episode 19 of the L's, AK Lessons Learned. 19 episodes for 2020. Um, obviously, it's been a surreal year, so just want to thank everyone that's been supporting these L's episodes and all the amazing guests that we've had so far. Um, super excited today because we have another incredible dope guest. Um, you know, he's not only the co-founder and CEO of Indify, but he's also an incredible artist. Um, I want to introduce you to the digital art community, Shav Garg. What's up, Shav? What's up, man? How are you doing? Good, good. Um, you know, we always like to, before we even start episodes and like content like this, you know, like I said, this is just a conversation between two music lovers and uh, two music enthusiasts. How's, how's the family? How's everyone during this quarantine? How have you kind of just adjusted like very music, a lot of creatives in general have always kind of gone through ups and downs, but love to hear some, some background about, about that. Yeah. I mean, I think fortunately on a personal level, uh, myself and my friends and family are for the most part healthy. Everybody's doing well. So that's something for us to be grateful for, um, and, and safe. So, so that's huge. But I, I moved to Williamsburg recently and nice. You know, I'm near, I'm near a studio here with my friends uh, that I'll go to, you know, in a mm -hmm. very isolated way where I'm going to the park here every once in a while. So it's, it's been an interesting energy in New York. You know, I, I think people are down on New York right now, but I think there is a little bit of magic and hope in the air here. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready for, for rebuilding. I, I love that. Um, you know, I think it's important. I think, you know, this year has been... Uh, a growth period for everybody. You know, we've all grown in our own respective ways. Um, to your point, congratulations on the move. Um, I'm renovating my place. So for those that are watching or, or wondering why my, I have green and gray walls, it's because I'm renovating my place. <laughs> Don't judge my color schemes. Uh, I did, I'm, I'm, I'm literally renovating my spot right now. Um, and, but more importantly, it's, it's dope to like connect with you. So for context, uh connor who's one of your co-founders uh we initially reached out to him to have a have him on our uh digilog day um conference uh back in march early march but obviously because of covid we had to, to readjust but um and then most recently he reached out um and connected and, and i think for me like i've always been a fan of what you guys have been doing uh, on the Indify side, but we'll go into that in a moment. Um, but it's dope that we're now kind of circling back and kind of just connecting, you know, virtually, hopefully in person soon. Yeah. No, um, no. But before we start, uh, I always love to learn about, um, you know, a person's upbringing, like where they started, because I think for the audience, you know, they may know you as the CEO and co-founder of Indify, but they don't also know that you as the artist as well. So, I think it's important to maybe talk a little bit about your upbringing, like who were some of your early influences? Like yeah. who, what was that first project that really got you hooked into, into music? Was there like someone in the household that played music or, you know, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, for, for myself, I was actually born in New Delhi, India. Uh, and then I moved to Mumbai. I moved to Singapore. I moved to uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Penang, Malaysia, all before I was like seven or eight when I moved to the US in Westchester County. And it actually wasn't too much later than that that I met one of my co-founders, Connor, who, you know, him and I won a fourth grade Little League baseball championship. So, you know, not a, <laughs> not a huge deal, but kind of- Hey, you gotta, <laughs> put, put, you gotta add that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, music wise, 
it's actually really interesting growing up up to like i think what you listen to when you're really really young has a deep and profound impact on you more than you actually realize and right funny because up to like 10 or like 11 i mean at that point you're pretty much pulling from the influences of your parents and my dad and my mom would pretty much listen to two things which is classic rock like brian adams eric clapton like the softer side of it and hollywood and so that is like <laughs> that's like the i think the first roots of mine like i, I actually remember back even though i was so young in malaysia like driving around listening to like certain bollywood songs or like uh, mm-hmm. songs by brian adams like especially the mtv unplugged kind of series that really hit me in a big way yeah as i grew up i started to get more introduced to you know really just like pop culture pop music mm-hmm. as a time, like a lot of really great r&b and hip-hop acts and i think like it's interesting man like when you when we were in high school and like those first drake mixtapes were coming out that yeah. was like he was like our guy you know and and you listen to like so far gone and even thank me later i think scored a lot of our like high school days with me and connor and and matt who are my co-founders and best friends and we'd be driving around listening to music but we'd also uh listen to music from like blogs like good music all day like two dope boys like i I remember all these different blogs in that whole era so that was a big hugely influential and then i think like a turning point for me musically was um acid rap and Mm. That album, you know, really scored, I think, our college years. Myself, Connor, and Matt, again, like, we were best friends, like, riding around. There's just bumping that. And in that album, it's just so hard to not know every word to every song on it. And then a couple other big moments were, like, I think it goes, like, for me, albums that really changed my life. Yeah. Uh, Take Care was yes. hugely influential to me. I remember being on a flight to India and I just listened to that just on repeat and just the whole album, just, you, you can listen to it a lot of times on a flight to India. Yeah. <laughs> like long so, how long is that flight? Is it like 20, 20 hours? If you go direct, it's something like that. I can't even remember, I think it's like 15, um, but I've done it 18 oh, wow. in Singapore because all my family's still there. And so that I think is a right. important part of my life personally. Um, but yeah, Blonde, um, Blonde, yes. Ask and Take Care, those three, have a special place in my heart and and blonde and i can talk about it in a bit but blonde really kind of helped fix me in a lot of ways uh personally and helped open the door for me creatively in some ways too and and just in life and through indify just on a big personal level blonde helped me through a lot of things i, I love that i mean I, I love frank um you know i remember uh back in 2011 when he put out nostalgia ultra i was like this is so left of center like what is this <laughs> and it just blew my mind it was actually an interesting time between him and the weekend because he had the yeah. weekend had put out house of you know balloons around the, that same year that early that year that was an insane uh, year i was talking to someone about this recently yeah so it's it's really great and then obviously i think from from drake's you know so far gone and to like take care like that was a really like that 2011 2012 period and then like was a really great um kind of like uh just kind of just like revolution for music because there was a transition between more so like rappers and this kind of melodic flow i think also from the r&b side it was very different as well it's not your traditional r&b artist between the weekend and, and um you know the frank and then also i think i remember asap was just like you know really yeah. took off 
that year. So this is just for context for the for the folks that are watching. Um, and then SoundCloud was really taking off. I remember. Yes, I mean, this is what I'll say. I think in our generation, and I, like more so in the next one, mm-hmm. grow up with 50 million songs at your fingertips. Right. Like even when I grew up, I, we didn't have quite that, but we started downloading on like Hulk Share online and stuff like I, Like we were mm-hmm. listening to emerging artists that way. Like I remember right. when I was putting tracks and putting out tracks in high school, we would look at how many like media fire downloads or something like we yes. had. The <laughs> media fire downloads, yes. Yeah, Hulk Share downloads. Like, I remember that era. These kids have 50 million songs in their pocket. They're going to grow up different. Their perspective is wider. They're, their ears are, are, are more open, truly. And so I don't think mm-hmm. people sometimes forget that, but a lot of those artists provided that landscape for me to like, like stuff from classic rock and Bollywood all the way to R&B and hip hop. And that, I think the, the, the true thing, the through line for me, you know, musically and in, through Indify that I always leaned into when I heard and when I recognized is melody. When you mm. have something that's melodic, that really right. sticks out and that, that catches you, there's nothing that can beat a good melody, in my opinion. Yeah, Mel- melodies. Oof, you, you know you can hum those those melodies four or five, you know, ten years later. You know, exactly. Always classic. So, you know, so you mentioned Connor. You guys met in fourth grade. You you won your baseball championship. Uh, so, did you? You know, growing up, did you? Um, in you said Westchester, right? So, yeah. Uh, what was that? Do you remember uh, your first show that you went to? Or do you remember like yeah, you know, how you got that show? How you got to that show? <laughs> I do. It was, and you know, at the time we just like absolutely loved this artist. And it's funny because you know, like it's just an artist that's not as relevant right now. But um, it was a Swayze show. I remember, and it was like more of a fun thing we were doing with my friends, like me, Connor, yeah, yeah. Matt, and another friend of ours, Carlo. And we went, and it was uh, like Far East Movement, Shwayze, and LMFAO. And it was insane. I think it was just the energy of New York uh, that was so crazy about it. And this is actually, my first shows were probably shows that I, I was playing like in, in like local areas before I went to an actual concert. I guess I went to a concert pretty late, like it was in high school. Uh, for the first time but I remember this like pipe broke and it was just like kind of madness and then they like evacuated and then they had the show again so we kind of got two for the price of one so we were really like <laughs> but what was sick man was like you know we always lived just outside the city mm-hmm. and I think that was probably one of the early instances where you just felt the city energy on fire where like you're yeah. in a plaza you're starting to feel New York you're mm-hmm. always like kind of have a starry-eyed view of the city of New York when you live just outside of it. And now we've lived, I've lived here for a long time, but um, growing up, we were just outside and we'd take the train in. You know, yeah. we might have some, we might have some drinks on the train that in a, oh, in yeah. a bag. You know, no one knows. and we come in. Yeah, exactly. And we'd come in and we'd see a show and, and we'd, we'd have fun. And, and there was always this like starry-eyed view of New York. And I think that, mm-hmm. that show, I don't know if the music was like, you know, like a hundred years, uh, you'll you'll remember the music, but I will always right. remember that experience of like being in New York, being at my first show, um, and having something kind of crazy go down that it's unpredictable, which is just right. so. Yeah, and I think those those are those memorable euphoric moments where 
um, you know, I think we're, we're missing right now when it comes to live music. Like, yeah. you know, like the tailgating, kind of just like you said, the prepping with your friends, you know, those are the memories because you get psyched. Like, all right, we're gonna, you know, take the train, catch some drinks, and like yeah. the anticipation leading into it. And then the same energy is like, once you get to the line, you're just like, everyone's on the same wavelength because everyone's hyped to like, and then when the artist comes, it's like, everyone's in unison. It's like, everyone is in like the same, like energy wavelength. And it's something you can't really describe. Um, it's like, yeah, you're just like, you know, once the music starts playing, it's like euphoric. It's like, you just, you just, you just go. I mean, thereafter, man, I saw Chance at SOBs for like this like surprise show when I was yeah. a professor at NYU and I just like popped in. It was me alone with a backpack on from school and I <laughs> watched him and he played Astrop and it was surreal. And like, I've been, I saw a Frank hit Panorama more recently and I think that was when that moment happened for me with Blonde that like really kind of set a tone for me to feel free. Mm -hmm. and that's what I think these artists can do so well. Um, right. You know, and, and I, it's exciting to be on something like this to share my perspective because I've, I've studied artists nonstop, like especially like Chance and Frank, where, you know, I'm holding on to every word they say in an interview, every word they say in a podcast like this. So it's, it's those Easter eggs right. of people that build that we're starting to get to a point myself and Indify where we're realizing we got to leave those for others, too. Yeah, that, that's super important. And speaking of artists, you know, you're artists as well. And, and if, you know, I'd love to hear like what are those, the early kind of aspirations of being an artist, uh, where that started? Was it something that um, you just started writing or was there an instrument you picked up that you were like, hey, I'm just going to start writing songs? Was there like a moment that, that's inspired you? Yeah. Know a little bit more about that. It's funny. Um, I think as I've gotten older, I've only believed in magic more. And so what I mean by that is like, when I was like 10, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna be like an accountant or something because it's unrealistic to be a musician. And it's unrealistic to like be an entrepreneur. I mean, equally kind of, you know, it's unrealistic to, to carve that path out. And I would say that when I was really young. And as I got older, I just started to do and do more and follow that whatever itch kind of led me to something and just trust it. And I think that was the thing that I probably did because I did have this, uh, I think almost leg up that when I looked around in Westchester, there weren't many people who looked like me. And so I knew I was different. And when I moved to, to four different countries before I was eight, I had to be put in a place where I was different each time and learn, make new friends and adapt and, and be comfortable with being different. And so that plus I think my parents always supporting me growing up really like lucky and privileged and having the bases covered as well as my parents like always pushing me to believe in myself led me to like be 51% over in terms of the belief scale to be like if I have an instinct I'm actually going to go for it and so that's where like even down to like you know middle school high school I remember picking up a guitar and just like trying and not being afraid to try and I think that's that's the step that I think a lot of people miss in, in a lot of different things it's like just being willing to try, being willing to shoot your shot. And it's something we've been talking a lot about at Indifights. I think the core of being an artist. So big. I picked it up and I just started playing. And I, I was very lucky to have a friend who was a mentor, Daniel Honor in high school, who, who showed me the way in terms of how to use Logic Pro, how to record. You know, he would coach me writing, melodies, all these different things. And 
he probably and he actually produced Topaz Jones's album uh, Arcade, and so he's 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 legitimate and and he brought wow. me into the music world. Um, and he's an incredible talent, an incredible mentor. He brought me into the music world uh, very young, and I was lucky to have that mentorship and and guidance because otherwise I don't know if I would have even fully fully gone and done into I gone and done the things that I'm doing now. But that's how it all started. And I think what ended up happening is you know, you, when you're willing to try and make that first jump, then you start right. pulling at the string and you start pulling at the string. And, and it just got crazy from there after really like it all started with uh, starting to make music in high school and started to be on these blogs and, and hanging out with my best friends and just bumping music in high school and, and really just loving it. And that, that was really the, the first instance of, I, I think when for me as an artist, I was born, but also um, on a on a much bigger scale, and in terms of what's happening right now, Indefi was born too. Wow, I, I feel like you know artists, you know whether it's like I always tell artists like they always have this track record of these small wins. Whether it's the first completion of that first song, um, do you remember like that first song or show that you're like, wow, this is what it feels like <laughs> to yeah. be? I uh, so I went to Colgate University, and mm -hmm. before that, I had a project with. Daniel Lanner that we did for our like senior project that did crazy well online. And I remember being like, wow, this is crazy. But I was just writing and uh, playing guitar and, and doing more of the musical instrumentation for that. Um, the first day I get to college, I meet my random roommate named Aaron Mentos, who's a rapper, bass player. And we, in the first few hours of meeting each other, we wrote a song. Next thing we know, that song becomes like <laughs> one of the biggest songs on campus. Like straight up, like everybody in our grade knows the words, everybody knows what? it. And I think it was the, it was a bunch of shows that, that year. This is our, my freshman year of college. Crazy. Uh, we opened for artists like Air, A-E-R, who was fire. Yes, yes. Smallers we opened for at, at campus. Hoodie Allen back in the day we opened for. Hoodie and Allen. And we play. And I think all these acts would be like, what's going on? Because you'd have like 700 people singing the words to our song. And so, like, and we were the opening. So it's just because I, love that. I think every school has that locus, local college, like, band. And so Chavez Mentos, and if you dig online, you'll probably find it. But that was, like, the first moment where I was actually also singing. So I think um, metaphorically and literally, that was when I started to find my voice. Mm -hmm. Wow. So literally four hours into, like, you starting school, you meet your roommate. And, and I think this is where, like, the universe and like you know just everything comes together it's kind of like optimizing those moments and you, you just ran with it yeah i mean so this is where like and i think the journey from then on and and you let me know which part of it to jump into became more and more cosmic up to yeah. today where i'm like this is crazy this is right. the i believe and, and and like i said i believe more in magic and the cosmicness of what's happening today Right. Then I did, um, and for Austin, especially for Indify, then I did um, 10 years ago and 10 years before that, which is, you know, I think it's, it's this Benjamin Button effect of I've only continually believe more in magic because more and more keeps happening that is surreal. And, and I can go into like, from that moment, what started happening that, yeah. yeah. Like, so you keep pulling at that string. And, and for me, it's, it's cool to talk about Shavimentos because that was such a formative thing for me on an entrepreneurial level too. Like I learned how to run a business. You know, you're, I think artists are founders and, and 
entrepreneurs. Right. Like I, I truly believe that there is such a correlation. And so, 100%. Um, and, and, you know, that conversation has become spotlighted as an, part of the international zeitgeist right now. It's like artists and entrepreneurs are not that different. They deserve similar tools. And so that's, I mean, what we're going to now, but after the, the, the band, I was just so obsessed with music that I was like, I want to intern in music. And so I interned at um, Warner Music Group. And uh, I was part of the digital strategy and business development team. And I was 19. So they were practically babysitting me. And like, it's wild that you get internships at like a macro digital music yeah. at that level. And I started to see that in Sweden, um, Spotify penetration rates had gone to 50%. Mm. And I'm like, this is fascinating. Everybody here is just listening on this thing called Spotify. And I'm sure that right. this will take over the world. I wonder like what other regions this is probably going to go to. And I started to look at Indian smartphone user numbers. And I was like, oh, the potential for streaming in India, which I don't even think we're still at, is right. insane, right? right? I'm so interested in that market. I'm so interested in, in that for obvious reasons. L what are the companies there? And I end up speaking to a co-founder of a company called Savin. And at that point, I joined Savin as an intern. And there, Savin is the biggest streaming service in India. And so wow. what I started to learn there is, you know, making these tools was not that different than making music. I would like draw something, send right. it to engineers in India, that it would come back and it'd be like a fully built, beautiful dashboard. And I'm like, this is beautiful. This is creative. This is scratch wow. which I have. And at the same time, I started to see, oh, there's a ton of information around the data inside of these services. Mm -hmm. So I start to ask myself, I'm like, hmm, like what do like A&Rs and scouts use? They, I, I assumed being like you know, 21, like, oh, these people probably have insane tools. Like I'm thinking like they have like rocket ship, like space right. features that they're using to discover artists. And I go in and, you know, music and tech are like oil and water. It, they just don't mix. I think, I think that's the expression. But basically like, it, no one had cracked this problem before. And, and the specific problem was around emerging artists data. So a lot of these A&Rs were using the same blogs that like me, Connor and Matt would go on in high school. And right. that's how they were finding artists that they would sign for millions of dollars just because they didn't have better resources. And so, and I knew because I, I'd been on some of those blogs to get on those blogs, you just need to know somebody. Right. And if, you're emailing them, if you're emailing them out of like 10,000 emails, they're not going to see it. And for so sure. It, it kind of broke my heart to know that and, and, you know, to see them documenting and writing down this like YouTube and SoundCloud data, it was like, Hey, like Matt and Connor, you're my best friends, Matt, you're, you've been technically, you've been building websites for pizza shops as long as I've known you, like you've done these internships in tech mm -hmm. Connor, you worked in media at time, Viacom, like, you know how to storytell, which is going to be an important component of any like music tech product. Right. Like, can we work together on something? And in January, 2015, we started, what ended up getting crazy is, and I'll bring you kind of to the first inflection point, which I think was almost the birth of Indify. We, every week, started, got on the phone while we were all in different colleges, and we did one thing a week. Brick by brick, that whole year, uh, the whole last semester, January Love that. to May, we just, it just started adding up. And as part of uh, Colgate University, I was part of an incubator program called Thought Into Action. And somehow, the school got Jessica Alba, MC Hammer, the president of BuzzFeed, the CEO of Warby Parker, and the CEO of Rent the Runway to fly into Colgate, which is an upstate New York, freezing cold. Oh my gosh. On a panel in front of our whole school 
for a mock Shark Tank where they pick four companies to pitch, ours being one of them. And I remember seeing like the, the, the you know, people backstage, MC Hammer backstage. I remember seeing the audience, everybody I know and their parents, it's parents weekend. Uh-huh. And literally being like, I have to go to the bathroom. I was and, and planning on going up. This is exactly like sweating like a hundred percent like yeah. in real life. And they're like, no, dude, you have to get up there. Like we're micing you up right now. And I'm like, can it barely breathe? Go up there, fake it till I make it, do the pitch, uh, get grilled, like almost like blacked out. Don't even remember. <laughs> and next thing I know, the panel votes come in and the audience votes come in and it's like into five, into five. And we won $25,000 in grant money, no strings attached. Oh my gosh. Before Connor, myself, and Matt graduated from college. And that was, I mean, we were already deciding on doing that full time, but that gave us the platform to start. And that was crazy. And we're very lucky for those opportunities, but it was also an insane and electric moment mm-hmm. to not only participate in that, but to, to win something like that and to have that confidence coming out of it. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about a lot of things. So I'm just going to recap a little bit. I think one, you know, just, you know, obviously your inspiration, aspirations and passions of being an artist. So that's important to establish. Uh, two, you know, just for context, you know, you were interning at this digital department at Warner. And then you also saw a, a problem. And I think for a lot of like artistpreneurs, like people that are looking for solutions, like they want to figure out ways to help, you know, solve those things. And to your point, you're like, what are these A&R tools outside of blogs that are going to help people to discover one artist to uh, make meaningful decisions to actually potentially sign them or partner with them at a label. And you were able to do that. You were able to intern for the, the essentially the, uh, the DSP for, for yeah. India yeah, exactly. um, and learn about, you know, the, you know, their market share and how valuable their, you know, their audience is, but also understand too, from an independent standpoint, like how are you like putting these together? And, you know, the things that you were doing with Connor and your team meeting once a week led you to that inflection point where like, you know, you had that shark tech moment, but I think all those experiences leading into it was like, boom, yeah. you know, a hundred percent. And that's what prepared us, man. And that's what I'd encourage anybody, you know, who's trying to start something or trying to shoot their shot, as we say, like to do, it's just like, start small and just start. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's one of the hardest, my dad always tells me the hardest thing to do is start. And I always find right. that true. when you start, you start having fun and the anxiety comes really before that a lot of the times. And I think, uh, yeah, I think this is a, a problem we felt as first, you know, on a first principles basis, like for myself, like it broke my heart to know how artists were being discovered because as an artist myself, I was like, how can this be true? Even if I, even, I, I the, the question was like, what if you are out there and you're actually selling tickets and you actually have people coming out and you have people listening and you have people like loving you. It's one thing to believe you should like blow up. It's another thing to actually be performing and resonating and right. never been seen because you don't have the cousin or, or the right person in the music industry. And that's, I think that's always been what, what the core value and mission of Indify is, is to help, help artists achieve their potential no matter what. And, um, you know, where we started in what I call like act one is different from where we're going right now in act two, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited to kind of talk about both of those, those. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So, you know, as you know, let's say you, you get this $25,000 grant. Yeah surreal moment um let's talk about the kind of the parallels because you're also an artist at the time um what is that experience like you know as a founder 
you know, um, starting to create this company, um, what are some of those initial like kind of growing pains and like learning experiences? I like to say from this podcast, the lessons learned of starting, you know, Indify for like act one. And also secondly, um, how are you also dedicating yourself to your, to your craft as an artist? Yeah. So I think, I think the, the, the lessons, you know, I think the consistency lesson in the beginning was so important. I think that's like something that's so real. We always say trust equals consistency over time. And we got that from somewhere else. I'm not sure exactly why, but like where, but that's became so important to us and so important to what we did. Um, what ended up happening after that is we have this $25,000, we come out of college and we, uh, you know, we think that's like a ton of money, but the truth is, and we're grateful for it, but the truth is it like goes to legal fees. It goes to like getting, mm-hmm. it goes to setting up the company. I mean, there's so much that come from expenses in the beginning stage of, of a startup. Um, and, and what we were lucky to have is that in this incubator space for a little bit. So we just start embedding like me, Matt, Connor, again, like we have, we've been in college in different colleges. So we come together and we're, we're in it every day. And so there was yeah. a, a part where we were in this incubator space in Hamilton, where we lived together and just worked together for like uh, two months, which was actually amazing. And then we moved to my basement in Westchester. And those first two years, you could just be three idiots in the basement, or you could be like, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have no idea. And you just right. every day wake up. And like, for me, I was waking up upstairs. I just go downstairs. And, that was my <laughs> whole life. and my friends are in the city, like doing their thing. They're making like real salaries and like whatever. But like, that's where, like, I think the first thing that gets tested is your will and mm. your self-belief and your drive. And I think that was always the case with my music too. If you, if you were making the parallels, you know, this is a ridiculous concept to try to do both, but I believe. And so that never wavered. And and I always believed we were going to get to a point where Indify was affecting millions of people. And for me, the music was going to be affecting millions of people at the same time. And so even from that, the basement days, we talked about those things happening. And I remember you keep hitting it, you keep trying, you keep growing a little bit. And I remember one inflection point was in October, 2015, um, Matt, builds the first like working real version of with scaled track artists like it had 40,000 artists tracked and Connor is every day writing an article about artists that are doing well on the platform and we're sending it to anybody who would be willing to listen in the music industry as like sort of like a beta proof point of this like editorial newsletter uh, yeah. called Fresh Picks and, and actually it's consistent it's been every day for the last five years now so, <laughs> oh, oh. wow in October 2015 once the platform starts humming and Matt, again, like he crushed it. He built the whole thing himself. That was just like diligence and work that we put in. And Connor was like really like going deep into the platform, understanding it better than anybody else in the world. Connor was like, you got to check this artist out. K-A-I exclamation point, Kai. And so I listen, he's like number 54 on the rank. Connor had flagged it and I'm like, this is really good. And there was nothing on it. There was no press. It was like organic SoundCloud data, organic uh, followers on Twitter and Instagram. And, but it was super small, like 60,000 followers, like, or 60,000 plays, like a few thousand followers. And, but we all fell in love with it. It was like these acoustic, like little demos and Connor and myself and Matt, even our CTO was just like, we just can't stop listening. So at that point I was like, let's talk to him. Like, let's get on the phone. Connor starts emailing him. Connor starts talking to him. We we have this conversation basically. And he's like, I'm 17. I'm in El Paso, Texas. Like I'm making, you know, music on my cell phone. I'm like planning on being a music teacher. Like, 
it's people kind of like are teasing me a little bit in school, but like everybody locally is what's supporting it organically. And we're like, what blogs are you on? Like, what, who do you like know in the industry? And at that point, he, he really didn't have many connections at all. So wow. we, uh, we were like, we love you. We want to help in any way we can. But more than anything, we were just like, this is something special. Like, and it's something that, again, like our, our platform flagged our 40,000 artists. He was in the top ranks. And it was this moment of like, hey, like this is somebody who you could at that point only really find through the platform. And so mm. what happened from there is we helped him get on a Pigeons and Planes piece, which was huge for us because we put right. this on this piece. We put data in this piece and it broke the door open for us where a lot of people saw that and, and were right. like, oh, these artists are amazing. Well, next thing you know, Kai moves, goes to Atlanta for a trip and he meets his team uh, that like really start helping him. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to change my name to my real name, Khalid. And wow. there, and we'd flagged him on this November 2015 piece. And mm-hmm. a lot of the industry, we were like, hey, like we believe in this. We believe in this artist and, and not many people at that time knew him. We, you know, in a very, I think, validating way, predicted um, the success of, of Khalid. And, and this is what I'll say is like, you know, Khalid built everything on his own. And it's watching that was just a learning experience for us. But right. to have been able to watch it, to have been able to really get like mentored by his team and those people, what ended mm-hmm. up happening is we built a lot of trust and we learned a lot. And that from there, we I remember we featured Billie Eilish at 13 years old. We featured Post Malone in 2015. When SoundCloud rap came out, Connor was like, this genre is like, this something's happening here. And I was like, what is, like, what are, like, what's going on here? Right. He wrote a piece and that really, like, you know, started uh, a spotlight on that. And then like yeah. pop artists they don't love that term eventually what ended up happening was a lot of these labels atlantic interscope um or i, I you know I, i'd rather actually not say them by name a lot of these labels um yeah. you know basically just started signing up like whoever you could think of a lot of these major labels like started uh signing up for the platform and so what ended up happening is um yeah we got to a point where like our rank and our editorial became really meaningful in the industry and when people would jump up and, and highlight on there they would kind of get a boost or, or get some like get valued and get seen. And I think that first right. step was accomplished of democratizing discovery. But we started to dig into something deeper and we were like access to funding, access to education, access to great mm-hmm. teams are really how you actually get to that point. And so we had democratized discovery a little bit and like helped the right artists be seen. But right. I think we're still far from our goal of helping artists achieve their potential just based on their potential and based on, uh, you know, really like a, a more equalized fair opportunity ecosystem and so that kind of brings you into the next stage but to your question earlier um i think a lot of what we learned there was resilience because it it wasn't overnight it took right some of these clients like it took a year to get even if the contract was signed to actually mm-hmm. or to get the the even if the verbal was agreed the contract right. was signed for a year after oh my gosh yeah so we, we stood there and kind of got kicked in the teeth for like a couple of years. But, um, you know, I think we got out on the other end and, and that's when we started to raise funding and, and start to hit a different inflection point. No, I, I think those, those are really important things to note. Um, you know, as any founder, anyone that's starting or creating a startup, you know, you just said it, the resilience, right? Waking up every day and going down to your basement and working, getting to it. And, and talking about those like different roles and, um, you know, between Connor writing the editorial stuff, you know, your CTO building the platform and you kind of just like being the glue of everything. Um, 
I think that's super important to recognize and because you know you grew, grew up as friends but now you're your your business partners working together so there's that there's something special about that um aside yeah. from just having coworkers you know I think I wanted to also point that out as well um and then you know as you're going through these to, to that moment where you discovered Khalid and you know started to like you know build these clients uh were the, were there any like challenges where like okay we're getting a lot of you know feedback we're getting a lot of just notoriety this is a lot's happening in these moments uh because i remember i just i know for a lot of startups it's like um hurry up and wait so it's like when that happens it's like you got to like really wrangle yourself and like really just kind of adapt to the speed of things that are happening it's like you're, you're an artist yourself you're like oh wait people are noticing us now we have to like actually um really put ourselves out there yeah i think well on the comment on like uh, you know again like our best friends and and us working together from really since like i think we were we've been friends i think the concept has been there and the like energy has been there um that's a superpower in many ways i at first was scared about it you know like going to work with your best friends what's that going to be like but we have unbreakable trust. Like I've known Connor since he's been in fourth grade, since we've been in fourth grade and he's known Matt since pre-K. Like they've known each other that Crazy. long. So it's like, this is lifelong. This is bigger than, than business um, mm -hmm. family. So I think with that comes this ability to weather the storm. And I think, you know, there was this dark period for, for me and for the company where even though we were getting these, uh, uh, these people signing up and, and kind of signing up for what we call like the first version of the platform, I think we were hitting a wall where like we were capped out on the like change we could affect a little bit, like mm -hmm. started to see. And, and that's, I think the, the, na the nature of entrepreneurs when even they start to get a spotlight. So spotlight to your question, you just, you want to keep getting bigger and you want to keep, you know, building it higher. And you want to see how much really it's a, how much change and innovation you can create within the space that you're in. For us, right. like, I think we were shining a light on these artists, but we, what we would do on the side is we'd like be like, Hey, artist A meet manager X, like artist mm. B meet like lawyer Y, like, you know, artist C meet like uh, agent Z, right? Like we would try to facilitate these partnerships because we knew that they were so important to building your career. And it became so natural. Um, and I think this was like part of our breakthrough towards realizing act two. You mm -hmm. know, we were in a darker place. We were running out of money. For me, I was going through some health stuff that like really had my head spinning and, and my world spinning um, on a personal level. And then on the team, like, again, you have those periods where it could be like eight months or so where you're just hitting it and like stuff isn't moving as much. Right. We were going to fundraise. And at that time, people were like, music is like toxic to the VC community because mm -hmm. it was coming out of such a tumultuous period, which I actually think makes it the best time to buy into music. It was at its lowest. Exactly. As an investor, I think we were lucky that like after so many no's, we finally got a yes. And it was upon, and I think this is where like the tech community can be powerful. It was upon digging deeper into like how can mm -hmm. we really affect more meaningful change in, in the industry and realizing what we're doing on the side of like connecting these artists to managers are not in this, you know, in the way of Khalid, again, like we predicted it. We saw it happening. Mm -hmm. We were able to say like, hey, there's something special here. What happened later is uh, it was this artist, Pink Sweats, and his manager, Josh Feshback. Yes. Pink the Sweats. platform identified Josh, actually, because he was managing a bunch of artists on the platform. And Josh and I became friends, and Connor became friends. And 
he was like, hey, there's this artist, Pink, that, and actually at the, t- at the time, his name was just DJ. He was like jamming on the couch. Me and him would jam, we'd hang out. And it was like, he was like, he's, you know, really special. And once he started sending us the records, we're like, this is amazing. And at this point, we discovered it through Indify, but it was discovering the team through Indify, which is another mm. asset of Indify. You find the teams behind these artists. Right. You realize that that's such a big part of an artist's story. And I think these artists' teams are as much founders as these artists in a lot of cases. And so what we ended up realizing is, um, hey, we can enable a lot of great teams and partnerships. And, and at that time, they were like, we need help with capital. We mm-hmm. need help with like playlist pitching. Mm-hmm. And we need human resources. And so we were like, hey, you, you both should meet. And they ended up doing a partnership. Human resources at that point was like, hey, like, you know, you help make this happen. We want to help, like, have you involved in this and create a relationship where you guys can, you know, basically like send over and share artists that are looking for this help and right. we'll actually involve you. And at that point, it wasn't our business, but I remember us, Connor being like, you can always give it back. And so we ended up like basically accepting a portion of the net profits only on the, uh, on the human resources side. And mm-hmm. so it didn't affect the artist count. And next thing we know, the first record goes platinum. <laughs> and we were able to play a huge part in like helping tell Pink's story. And it's a different relationship. Right. We were involved and we helped enable him to right. be successful versus just um, predicting that he would. And I think that's when we started to get the itch and started to break through that dark period where we're like, mm-hmm. he can evolve into fine. It was always something we thought about mm-hmm. into not just a discovery tool, right. but a marketplace where artists and teams can discover, connect, and partner with each other and really enable artists to go from point A to point Z uh, along the roadmap of their careers and, and sort of insert that right manager, insert that right lawyer, insert that right funding partner mm-hmm. at the right times in their career and with right. clear and transparent terms. And so in the last um, year or so, we've built that tool. And what's insane is, um, you know, it was through Twitter, actually, that Alexis said, I wish I could invest in the next Lizzo, or I wish I could invest in Lizzo Enterprises. As an in, uh, Alexis Ohanian is a founder of Reddit. Uh, he's, you know, a, a venture capitalist, and he's an incredibly, like, I think, really, like, thoughtful, like, mm-hmm. leader in that community. Right. I just tweeted back. I was like, invest in the next one via Indify. Next thing I know, through friends, I'm, I'm basically, like, in the room with him. <laughs> and we end up speaking and he really believed in this so much so that he did invest in an artist through Indivine and Kirby. And it, wow. he, the, the point that we made to him was the next frontier in music is the 99%. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, if you ask me and, and our team, what, what would we believe is going to happen? Mm-hmm. There's data and discovery. You fast forward to today and you know the music industry, that's the conversation every day in every room. <laughs> yeah. I think people are afraid to bet on the future, but you know, we're proud to stand here and say what the future will be in music is the 99%. And we're looking to enable that, uh, enable artists to not just have livings, but have sustainable livings, break right. down the superstar bust model, create what is like tools like Y Combinator and Angelus created for tech to more fairly democratize and equalize the opportunities in music, mm-hmm. uh, make these contracts way leaner and more transparent and mm-hmm. i think what's cool is music and in, in the streaming world uh, i think it can make real revenue for an artist if they keep control of their rights yes and at the same time like there can be really positive relationships with newer categories of, of partners like people mm-hmm. like that's like major artists like major athletes who might have influence to shine on those artists so for us we're building that marketplace that's going to connect these artists 
to their manager, to their lawyer, and to investment so that they can grow their career. I, I love that. I mean, the fact that you, you talked about, and I'm just going to just like recap a lot because, you know, you talked about a lot of very important points, um, you know, from your inflection point with Khalid, uh, learning about like how to like really leverage the data discovery side, but also understanding like what is next after that. And with your, your, your relationship with Pink Sweats, kind of taking that iteration of Indify to another level where, to your point, really connecting Okay, so you artists is discovered, but the artists may not have a team or resources to really help grow, sustain to your point, and really build for, for the long term and longevity. And I love the fact you said marketplace because that's really where, you know, artists need support. And, you know, you can have a hit record that people, fans might discover, but it's like, what's next? Uh, what are you going to do to sustain that? And to your point, to be able to really match artists uh, with partners um, is super is super key, and, and it's really the next level to like where music is going. And I, I really believe in the fact that the, the democratizing uh, just where artists are now really more empowered to like really you know have power to really dictate where their music is going. Because I think there's a distinction between like independent artists and major labels, and it's really understanding what the artist's goals are. Because you could be an artist that's independent and regionally just successful. But it's also understanding like the music business as a whole is where like, okay, if I want to go to a situation with the label, I'm ready to actually do that and actually amplify myself. So I want to kind of put those distinctions out a little bit because yeah. I feel like okay. it's, it's important to recognize that. We're not saying it's like one or the other. It's more so it's what's, what are your goals as an artist? And also do you have the, the team to really support those, those needs, you know? Because it's a, it's an everyday thing, like twenty four seven, always on. Yep. Um, and it's brick by brick. And I think you're so right about those questions. I think as an artist, you should, and as a as a team member as well, who's part of that artist journey, you should ask yourselves what what is what is success to us? Can we live without being, you know, Drake or Rihanna? Mm -hmm. is, is that the end goal, or do we want to grow and put out the music we want to put out? Because the thing is, and I think any major label A&R would tell you this too, if you don't have plans on being a superstar or you want to grow at your own pace, it might not be right to sign to a major label because the pressures, you know, even if you're a successful artist, it doesn't mean that the label is excited about you. This, the label is winning off of the superstar artist and, and they'll mm -hmm. tell you that too. So right. this alternative pathway, you know, this parallel and alternative pathway where there are options for more timely and, and slower and, and natural and organic growth, I think is really, for artists that believe in that model, mm -hmm. I think uh, is, is really important. And by the way, like major labels have had, I think there's a lot that needs to change in terms of like, you know, the fact that there's like a massive distribution fee up front, a mm -hmm. lot of kind of like accounting work that happens with that. But right. you are a superstar and you have a whole world of like thousands of employees working for you and, and it's working and you're actually one of the biggest artists in the world. There's an argument that certain artists are right to partner with labels. I, I just think it's not for the 99%, and that's who we're here to support. And, and, right. and I think that word marketplace is so important. Um, right. that you said, like that you said was also important. So I agree. I re-agree with you. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I say that is I think it's, it's time for a new marketplace in music. We've had, mm -hmm. you know, years ago, we had Spotify, Daniel, like go to those offices in Sweden and say, Hey, like, 
I know Napster just killed the music business, but can you give me a chance to like rebuild it with this model? And, right. and I don't envy his positioning there, but he got it done. And that's, that deserves a lot of respect because what that right. creating was a place where, you know, Steve Jobs talks famously about putting a hundred songs in your pocket. We now have 50 million songs in our pocket and we have access right. as artists to a huge listener base, mm-hmm. which is a massive thing. I mean, I, I, I experienced it myself. I have 200,000 monthly listeners. It's crazy. Right. And it's because of a platform like that, right? Um, so Spotify became this marketplace that connected artists to listeners. The other frontier that became really important, mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of companies around uh, this kind of marketplace today, United Masters, STEM, DistroKid, um, mm-hmm. TuneCore is the distribution marketplace. And what that right. said, is you could be an artist from anywhere in the world. You could be a, a kid in India. Mm-hmm. You can make music in your bedroom and then you can get it on these streaming services. Right. And you can actually get paid out for it. And I ex- experienced that as well. I'm making a, a nice little extra income every month because my music actually generates streams. That uh, connected and enabled artists to connect with streaming services. Right. Well, I feel like every new company that comes out is like a new distribution service or a new yes. yes. But it's time for a new marketplace of music. Right. What Inify is is a completely new entity that we've never seen before. Right. It's what we call a music services part marketplace. And what it does is it enables artists to connect with really important partners to build their career and to build out their team. And so, you know, Indify is a marketplace that connects artists to teams. The same way Spotify is a marketplace that connects artists to listeners, the same way that distributors right. are a marketplace that connects artists to streaming services. Right. And I think you make a great point because I think from the distribution side, you know, when I look at like timeline, I think that was necessary to be established first because you need to be able to just one, get your music out versus you know before it was very different like you had to go through a label or you know um some type of independent platform but you know i think that was one thing we understand now that music is accessible you can upload your music on a platform and get it up in a week or so but then it's like the next iteration all right what's next my music's out there (laughs) now you're creating that marketplace we're going to connect you with the right teams and people phase two this is it and in the fact that you have the audience now that has their music on these distribution platforms, now you're saying like, hey, we're gonna provide these resources and services uh, that match what you're looking for. And that's really the next level as to like, cause it's easy to get your music up now, we've established that, but now it's really like the, the long-term play, the long-term goals um, and trying to find those, that right team to help support you to do, to do so. That's exactly it. And I think, um, you know, making great music, it kills me when an artist makes great music and they never get the right team. It, it kills us when we see an artist have so much potential, but mm-hmm. the, the other end of it didn't go right so that they didn't end up in the right place or in a place where their, their music is inspiring as many people as, as it can. I think that's, that's what we're here to enable. And I think quite literally, it's, it's just, it's time for a new marketplace of music. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Yeah. I, two weeks ago, Kanye started tweeting about the music industry in a very, mm-hmm. very massive fashion. And he started sure. saying a lot of things that, you know, we fundamentally believed for a bit, but mm-hmm. it was interesting to me, right? Like he talk, started talking about Y Combinator, which standardized terms in tech uh, mm-hmm. and need for something like that in music. Yes. I'm curious as to um, your thoughts on like how, how that all went, like the, the whole like back and forth that he's had with like the music industry in the last two weeks. I'm curious to get your perspective on it, your thoughts and, and your kind of mind on like what's going on and, and, and what he's really talking about. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, with, with, with Ye, obviously, um, I've had experience working with his team at Def Jam, um, just for context. But just from a, just an overall, if I were to, like, remove myself from just my role at the label and just more so just, like, a music person that's really, like, objectively looking at it, you know, we're understanding that the terms that he's talking about are not necessarily the same that they should be given what you mentioned before, like the distribution fees, like a lot of stuff that, you know, that are being, you know, integrated with a lot of these artist deals and contracts are pretty, you know, archaic in a sense because they're not necessarily adapting to the times, but at the end of the day too, like, you know, I think there's that, the label, that label aspect where, you know, this is what's worked. So we're going to continue to do this and we provide this, you know, this is our value proposition. So to your point, I think it's really kind of leveling that off when you talk about the 99% where to be able to, like, to create the terms that are best suited for the artists, you said leaner contracts. And I think that's the direction that where music is going to go. Because I feel like in terms of like the market share and revenue, everyone's going to make money. And I think that's what we have to realize Like streaming is not going anywhere um, anytime soon. You know, and I think this is like something that I think back in the day when we looked at like Napster, we looked at it as more so, I think not say me, but like the industry looked at it as something that was negative towards yeah. the industry versus embracing what they did with Spotify and a lot of these DSPs now. So we have to look at it as that where like, there's a big piece of, there's this big pie where all, we can all share. And whether it's the independent artist at 99% or is that 1% from the label side, everyone's going to make money and we're all going to eat and we're going to be successful. And at the end of the day, the goal is to put the best music out and make sure, you know, the fans continue to like be intrigued to continue to get motivated to listen to music every day. Cause yeah. if once, once that stops, no one's in business. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the way I'm looking at it is like being able to compromise and be sure being, being like, Hey, we all have an opportunity to eat. Let's eat together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really well said. And I think it's I, for us, like the way that that happens is an artist with the right, you know, team around them is something that's really powerful because it's the same way that, you know, our team has worked. It's, it's, I can handle the conversations when we go to meet with different people that want to potentially work with us. Connor is, lights out and just lasered in on when it comes to like actually using data to find the right artists and putting context around those artists and understanding their stories and telling those stories. And Matt is like, you know, a, a legend when it comes to actually building a platform that, that really first disrupted like discovery and, and data and music. And I think our team together on top of like, we've, we've since like hired a, a ton of amazing people and people that work with us. Um, you know, big shout out to to uh, Tim, who Tim Lukau or Lukau. I always mispronounce his name. Still, <laughs> shout he, to Tim. He was a, a co-founder of STEM that helped build that, and, and actually, you know, was, was good friends with some of the people um, that have worked on on really disruptive projects in in the past. Mm -hmm. um, Donig, who works with us on the business side, um, and uh, you know, a, a ton of people on our team that really care about being artists first. I think we've been able to build a team and we've been lucky to work with people like Alexis to build a team to right. get to the next level where, uh, Super key. yeah. And, and Jordan Weller too on the artist relations side. And, and that, that squad, that like 
group is together what makes us uh, strong. And we're one organism, we're one team together. Mm-hmm. I think on the related side, as an artist, you need that, that teamwork where people are filling in gaps that, that you don't have um, built or, or places that you're not as good at. You, you know, we always say, and I think it's, I'm getting, I think I'm just about there. You always want to be the dumbest person in the room. And I, I think with uh, our, yeah. team, our team that, that we started working with uh, at Indify, I think I've, I've officially become the dumbest person in the room and every time I talk to the team because they know so much more than me. And they're really doing the work building this. For me, I get to be a megaphone to point back to, to what, what we're building. I love that you said that because, you know, um, just for context for the conversation, so like the Digilog, right, started at 2016. I mean, Brandon, who's like, our producer and head of content, like I met him three and a half years ago. He's on this, he's on this podcast right now. You can't see him, but um, you know, I grew up, we, we grew up together like these past three years, really developing, you know, this, this group. And I think, you know, for me, it's finding the right folks, you know, we're now we're a bigger team and, you know, we're hitting an inflection point now as well. So the fact that we can put out content, we can do these things and interview folks like you, like we didn't have an opportunity to do that before because we were focusing on different things, um, more so just events. And I think as a company, whether it's, you know, you go through these different iterations, it's like you have to scale with, with the, that, that group of people together. Yeah. And hopefully you can stay together um, to be able to like, you know, get to that next, you know, whether it's act three, you know, but now this is act two. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's um, goal. the goal. So fast forward a little bit. Um, you have some exciting things coming up. Um, talk about act two. Obviously we, we, we talked about it um, in, you know, in this conversation, like what's up next for Indify uh, on, from the platform level. And then also what's up next for you as an artist? Yeah. So, um, with Indify, it's so exciting because we really are like, I think very emblematic of like artists in a way of like that embody the slow build, uh, that embody the brick by brick build builds. Cause we haven't announced, we haven't ever ran a press piece for, for five years, which is kind of as if you're a tech company and you've raised like real, like VC money is like kind of a wild thing to think about. But what's cool is that, um, I think we've built something that the world needs right now. And we're going full force with it to tell people about it. And it's this marketplace that connects artists to their teams and it allows people to fairly discover, connect and partner. And what are the, I think most innovative pieces of technology that we've built and I think is a staple part of what Indify would be known for is before the Kanye conversation, you know, a year ago, we raised from people that uh, were partners or involved in creating YC. You know, Y Combinator. This was a this right. kind of thing we've been having for a few years and work we've been doing for a few years. Right. And conveniently, when we were going to run our first kind of announcement, the whole world started to care about this issue in a different way. And what we're what I'm really proud of is we we built something um, that helps artists and partners safely transact. And it doesn't have contracts. It has it doesn't have like massive contracts behind it. It basically it doesn't even have real contracts. It's just a platform where you agree on four terms the amount of capital, the uh, term of the license, how long it is, the amount of content, and the percentages. And that's all really you need to be to, to be uh, nailing when it comes down to like a conversation of like a fair agreement. And it's completely transparent and it's backed by right. incredibly artist-friendly terms of service that's built in our platform. But it's the, it's the idea that, you know, very similar to what Angelus is doing in tech, that you can show up on a platform and you 
you can agree on these things and you can make it happen actually on platform and you trust the brand of the platform, you trust the platform deeply enough that you know that that partnership is going to be fair and, and that everybody's going to get paid out on time and that, that this agreement is going to be strong. So I think announcing that. that, getting the word out about that, the fact that, hey, everybody's talking about the problem, we're going to try to present a solution and it'll get ripped apart and we'll work on it with everybody together. And I think that's what I love about tech is you open source feedback, you open source um, you know, information and, and you share it with the community and you build it with the community. So I think getting that off um, our chats and into the world is going to be a really important step for us. And musically, I just put out a project, Too Pretty for Sunshine, it's called. And I put out a song, very funny enough, yesterday was my birthday. And I put out a song called Best Friends. And it Good was, birthday. Thank you, man. Okay. I put out a song called Best Friends. And I think you know, this whole, this whole conversation probably explains what that's about, which is, uh, you know, the main line is I'm hanging with my best friends, which is pretty much every day what I get to do and what I'm lucky to right. do, build with people that I've been friends with for, for my whole life. I, I love that. I mean, the fact that, um, you know, to, to point act two, creating this platform, um, this marketplace, um, it's coming from an artist, you know, you know, artist, you know, artist driven, platform artist first and i think that's the most important thing and you know the fact that you're able to keep it on platform and make it super let's say easy but just like just fair in a sense where you know the agreements don't have to be these complex you know contracts and to make sure that there's trust built on that platform and i think that's going to keep you know people there because they want to be able to like exercise these things and in real time you know, it's not like, hey, let's get all this agreement and six months from now, we're not doing anything. It's like, let's, you know, keep things going to, to be able to match the momentum of the artists as well. I think that's super important. That's exactly the why. Uh, you know, when I, when I see agreements that are stuck in legal for eight months and it's for a five song EP and now the EP could have come out and another EP could have come out and another EP could have come out. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to watch. So we're just trying to make it super easy, super quick, super simple. Yeah, no, I love that. It's very on demand. It's just, you know, makes it super accessible. And congratulations on, you know, obviously the new song. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, happy belated birthday. So when we wrap up, as we wrap up this conversation, I like to go back to the things and I'm going to go into like, you know, what's your biggest lesson learned? But I love the fact that, you know, you know, I'm just going to recap for the audience. You know, you traveled early on as a child, all these different places but always finding a way to simulate yourself and like really stand out. I think for you, you're able to like really use that as a superpower in a sense where, all right, I'm an artist, I'm different and I'm going to, I'm going to own it. And you're talking about that little magic, you know, that you, you mentioned about, Hey, you know, do I want to become an accountant or actually do I want to be an artist or musician? And as you're kind of going through these experiences, whether it's that first show at Irving Plaza or, you know, experiencing acid rap, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of adding to that magic pool where just like, all right, this is, this feels real. Uh, this feels really good. And then those first moments when you're going to like college at, at Colgate, you meet Mentos, who's your roommate, and you come up with your first song, you know, there's first, first for four or five hours, put out that, and you're like a, you know, household name. I mean, people know you, you're opening up for big stars like Hoodie Allen, all these people that are visiting the the colleges and you become, you know, become that artist. But at the same time too, you go through this internship 
you know, with, with Warner, um, with the Indian DSP, understanding that there's a, a need in terms of like artist discovery tools, um, understanding that there's, a, there's, a, there's an audience in India and then you worked to help create that at Colgate with your best friends. Start that, get the grant, you know, fast forward, you know, hit that inflection point with Khalid, which is amazing. I mean, everyone knows Khalid. Um, and then hit another inflection point with, um, you know, Pink Sweat, understanding that, hey, we can actually involve ourselves even more. And now act two, this is where the marketplace that you're creating. And that's super exciting that, you know, um, that you're, you're able to like really take in the fire to this next level. So with that all said, um, what is the biggest lesson learned for you um, through these experiences for our audience? That was surreal. That's crazy. Cause I don't think I've ever really shared the story in that much detail, especially on a personal side. So I appreciate you digging in and pulling there, but to hear you like say that, to literally understand everything that happened, I think to a T, that's probably the best I've ever even heard it. I, I greatly appreciate you uh, having me on and, and supporting and, and, and listening sure. and, and, and you know helping us share our story. So thank you for that first. The biggest lesson is uh, that I've learned, it's my phone background currently, which is uh, it's about the mission. It, I've always, in my five years of learning, I've, with Indify and, and, you know, being an artist, what it comes down to for us is, can we help enable millions of artists to have sustainable careers? And for myself, can I, and, and, and you know, with that comes to be able to actually like do something they believe in every day. Um, on my music side, it's a lot about my own self-belief. And, and I think what the reaction is, is when I listen to it is, and when people listen to it, can I affect millions of people on the music side to make them believe in themselves? And that, you know, that belief and hope is my mission. And I find that when I come back to that, because it gets cloudy, things, right. it gets, you, you have obstacles, you have obstructions, you have things in your way, you have things that want to pull you away from the mission. In fact, we've turned down opportunities that I think people would be just bewildered by to stay on track with the, with the mission. But I, I know I've never regretted a day in my life that I've stayed more on that course. And so for myself, for, my, for our team, I think what we've talked about is maintaining our values, being artists first, maintaining our mission to help every, you know, artist achieve their potential, um, no matter where they're from or their background and for the music to like, believe that you can, I think every time that, I've come back to the mission on, on my journey, I've only felt closer to the truth. And so that's, that's, I think, you know, five years later, you get more to that itch or to that magic or to that reasoning that you even started. And, and if you can maintain that, and, and that is, I think, my biggest challenge is making sure that we stay aligned with that always. Um, I, think, I think that's the biggest lesson and, and the biggest thing you could do for, for the things that you're working on. I think that's huge, super, super, super important. Having those that mission, those core values, because as you continue to grow, as you, you continue to iterate, you're gonna you're gonna be able you're gonna be pulled in so many directions. Um, people are gonna challenge your ideals, they're gonna challenge your beliefs, but you're like, well, this is what we stuck with. This is what's helped us grow and get us to this point, and we're gonna continue to maintain that 
and be able to stick to that. So that's that's super amazing. But Shad, man, appreciate you being part of this first, well, your first podcast, <laughs> episode 19 to Els. <laughs> AK so Lessons much. Learned. Thank you. Yeah, this no, was, no better way to kick it off. So thank you. No, we're we're, we're privileged, you know, to have you on the L's Digilog. Uh, Digilog community is going to really appreciate, you know, you sharing your story and what's up next for Indify. Um, we're going to make sure we put your socials and Indify socials on the description. Um, I'm just going to just do a little send off to the community. Make sure to to check out Shav and Indify. Also, um, we're going to make sure we have access to your music and artist profiles, so like we can support you as well. And then for our Digilog community. Thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks for, for being part of this, this journey. Um, obviously, it's very challenging during this pandemic, but we're here to support everyone through these music careers. And we have another great partner and friend with Indify that's also paying it forward and taking you know, your music to the next level, um, that 99%. That's you guys, part of our community. So can't wait. Um, stay tuned to the next episode. Talk soon. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>